know at the end of the week it's time to go Inside EMS. I am your host, Chris Sabalero, and this episode of Inside EMS is sponsored by Echo. Core stethoscope technology by Echo helps EMS providers make confident split-second decisions in the most challenging environments by enhancing stethoscope sound. Learn more at echohealth.com. That's E-K-O-Health.com. Here he is, the man of the hour, too sweet to be sour. The ladies know he's the man with the power. Kelly Grayson, KG, what's going on? I'm good, bro. I'm 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 muddling through there. Uh, the light is is within sight at the end of the tunnel, getting the surgery done and everything. Yeah. And I, I think I'm going to take some of my downtime and and teach you some some catchphrases that that extend past 1980s. What do you think, man? That was um, probably 1979, man. That song yeah, came out. Yeah, that I'm, was- I'm going to tell my tell our listeners that, that you were singing hometown Phillies back again. <laughs> and kids, if you've never heard that, get your parents to explain it to you. It used to be a pretty big song. Voice to men, man. That was back in the <laughs> yeah. day. That was in the old days before electricity. But, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, we talked about it, but I started an online radio station and uh, KLDR online. Uh, you can go to the website, www.kldronline. Follow us on Facebook. And we play hits from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, but also it's uh, leadership development talk radio. So I have about 20 hosts from around the world who are coming in from United Kingdom, coming in from Spain. I've got some really good friends here in the United States, some EMS friends. Rob Lawrence is part of that project. Um, Kara Trusty out, uh, out of Fort Worth, Texas is part of that project. Ernie Rodriguez is in the wings getting ready to come in as part of that project and uh you know we have a really good time now uh we started talk radio the 6th of september and we are now um you know starting to really polish things and get things going as we move into the new year but anyway i tell that story i noticed i noticed a a name missing from that list jerk oh it's for leadership it's not for yeah oh I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's Mr. not for leadership is an act. It's not for not blowhard mania. Rank. It's, we, know, we leadership didn't is any. an act, not a position yeah. or a rank. I'm sorry. No, we didn't. Uh, we didn't. But uh, <laughs> anyway, the other day, not only do I tell that story for shameless self-promotion, but uh, also because hometown Philly was playing just before I got on and I was listening to it. I like to listen to uh, the station to hear the transitions into the talk radio and how it works. Because I'm, I'm kind of learning the radio business as we go, Kelly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a pain in the uh, backside. But uh, you, know, you, you, you are more get. than welcome. You are more than welcome to take a, a weekly leadership development radio show. Um, I am more than uh, happy would, to give you that. Uh, I would listen to it. You ought, to, you ought to, to bend the ear of Rob Walker. Speaking of... of uh, paramedics with a, a long background in radio rob was a dj and and program manager and all that kind of stuff man he's like the dr johnny fever of ems <laughs> yeah i don't know him i don't know him <laughs> rob's so, good people um yeah but i mean that, so if you're interested in having your own radio show uh leadership development let's talk about it also i'm looking for people to do little things right like uh read leadership quotes or leadership tips and you know it's just a fun little project but i don't know where it goes kelly but uh anyway that was a long way to get to the discussion of singing hometown (laughs) philly by boys to men 
because as you know, that was a big 90s hit. But anyway, let's go ahead and jump into this week's show. And we're going to talk about a couple things. We're going to start off with a article by our good friend, Mike Tegman, Five Steps to Wellness Checkup. And this was written back in December of 2020. But even in the world that we're in today, wellness checkups are very, very important for EMS providers. The byline is focus on the 9,000 things that you can do rather than the 1,000 things that you can't and follow these tips to reduce stress. And Mike went ahead and wrote a great book that I had the opportunity to interview him on, on my leadership podcast. And uh, if you have that opportunity, go ahead and check that out. But Kelly, I thought it would be good to talk about these five things that uh, Mike brings up. But then after the break, we do want to touch on the topic of gun safety. After this uh, story comes out of New Mexico with Alec Baldwin you know, when we think about this from the standpoint of mental wellness, mm-hmm. and I don't want to call it mental health anymore. And I've been trying to change the verbiage to mental right. wellness, because regardless of where you are uh, mentally, we all need to keep ourselves mentally healthy. And mm-hmm. whether it's stress, Kelly, I know you're going through a stressful time right now, whether it's stress, whether it's burnout, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, aggravation from the day, whether it's whatever, we just got to keep ourselves on the path of being mentally, uh, mentally healthy. And, you know, with that, I mean, how are you doing? I mean, this is, as we segue into this, we had a great show with you a couple of weeks back mm-hmm. and, you know, people were going and sending us, uh, you know, well wishes to you. But when we think about mental wellness, maybe uh, necessarily not talk about what you're going through, but how have you tried to keep yourself on the side of, uh, you know, keeping motivated and being inspired, you know, you're, you're facing down the barrel, so to speak. Yeah of a lot of things that's happening. How you doing it? Uh, I'm not doing it some days, you know, speaking quite frankly. Um, you know, my recipe for dealing with my depression has always been, uh, you know, first of all, recognition and, and then doing the things that always charge my, my batteries. Uh, and even if my depression told me, uh, I couldn't do those things. So, you know, getting out and, <clears throat> and getting in the outdoors and doing the things I enjoy, go out and shoot and hunt and, and, uh, uh, ride on my jet ski and, and go camping and, and talk to friends and, and, and all of this sort of thing, which all of which are, are pretty much impossible for me right now. Um, so I've had to explore other avenues and one of them, as you well know, is, is, you know, talking to friends and, and, and people that care about you that you trust. Uh, uh, so I've had to lean more on my support system than I normally have. And, and, you know, it's, it's nice to have, uh, folks that, that don't judge you harshly, uh, um, and give you some honest opinions. Uh, who uh, tell you that this this sort of thing is something that I can get through and and that uh, I'm not at, I'm not totally worthless, <laughs> even though I feel that way sometimes. <clears throat> and some of them plant a foot in your backside, like you know, like you did with me the other day. Uh, <laughs> told me to quit feeling sorry for myself. Um, but uh, thank God for for a support system, you know, because uh, the the things that I would do to haul myself out of the out of the pit of despair on my own just ain't working right now. And, uh, I got to try with a little help from my friends. 
Yeah, Speaking and I think of, that that's uh, of obsolete song references. Yeah, so we go to another <laughs> song, but uh, that's going way, way back. But you know, and that's one of the things when we talk about the five steps to improve your mental health. Yeah, that Mike puts into his article. The first one is relationship checkup. You know, do you have mm-hmm. a few people that you connect with regularly? And I, I, I'm checking in with you. And as you mentioned, you were kind of a little down in the dumps the other day. And I said, dude, you know, you are good about giving people advice on how to keep yourself mentally strong, it's time that you heed that. And sometimes it's easier said than done. So I'm not, I'm not faulting you there. But the first thing that you need to do is that, you know, you need to be able to connect with people who understand. I mean, you know, you, you live there in, in, you know, picking Louisiana, and I'm sure you have people Mm -hmm. that you know, that aren't in the EMS, uh, uh, you know, career field. And uh, you call those people friends. But when you have people that are in the career field that are able to, you know, uh, sympathize with you a little bit more yeah. and understand the things that you go through, whether it's disability, whether it's, uh, you know, a career-ending injury, whether it's burnout, whether it's stress, it gives us at least the opportunity to say, um, you know what, I got to practice what I preach sometimes. And as I mentioned, mm-hmm. I, I know that that's hard. Uh, it's easier said than done. But we got to remember that, that there are people out there that, uh, you know, want to be there for you and don't want you to get to the point of despair to where you're saying there's no way out. Yeah. And, and, you know, I I read Mike's, Mike's article with a a great deal of interest. The, uh, the story he tells in the beginning folks of, of the friend of his, uh, uh, W Mitchell, uh, and all of the, the setbacks he has had in his life, uh, the words indomitable will, come to mind this guy just would let absolutely nothing uh slow him down um but the other thing i noticed is mike mike says in this uh in his article uh that that uh to to help with your wellness one of the first things you can do is manage expectations and he's uh he says in here i accept that i can't be in the mosh pit for concerts dine in my favorite restaurants hang out at the playground with the parents of my son's classmates or share long conversations with lifelong EMS friends and hotel bars at conferences. Those are part of the thousand things I can no longer do for now. I'm just trying to picture Mike Tegman in the mosh pit at a concert, you know, throwing Slayer horns, body serving, that sort of thing. Uh, I, loves, I don't Mike know. Man. Mike loves his concerts, man. You know, yes, he so does. Yes, he does. But with but, that, but those are things that yeah. I think that we've just got to know that we can and can't do. I mean, there are things, mm-hmm. you know, Kelly, I know that you wish that you were out. Uh, I, I, you mentioned you were supposed to go shooting uh, mm-hmm. with your friends a couple weeks back. But, you know, it's one of the things that we got to do is just check in. And uh, the second one, number two, uh, that Mike talks about is, uh, you know, moving your body, exercising yeah. and uh, keeping yourself as safe. It's easy that when we get into a point where we feel stressed, uh, which is, is going to lead us to be tired. Uh, we start to procrastinate. Of course, procrastination is just all about making excuses for things that we don't want to do to let ourselves off the hook. And we got to remember, we got to recognize the self-talk that sabotages the things that we want to do. Uh, it's easier to say, oh, it's raining out. I don't want to do that. Or, oh, you know what? I don't have the money to do that. Or, you know what? You know, exercise, you got to be able to move. Yeah. The more sedentary we become, the more that it's going to work against our ability to keep our motivation high. And uh, we got to, I know it's probably difficult for you with the injury that you have, but maybe just getting out and walking can keep you uh, on the high side of that. 
Yeah, even even more so. And and you know the the exercise, the the physical aspect of uh, of managing your depression or, or your uh, your mental wellness uh, is is huge. Uh, if you're not physically in good health, that's going to that's going to bleed over into your your emotional and, and psychological stamina. And the the what's shocking to me is that the last three months. Uh, what it's done to my physical stamina it sucks you know i've always been been one of those people that that was fairly physically fit even even though my weight you know the obvious thing my weight but i i didn't get tired easily and and i can walk the legs off a missouri mule as the as the old saying goes and and that sort of thing but the last two or three months just sitting in this chair for 18 hours a day has really, really deconditioned me. And, uh, uh you know, uh, you're sitting down and you can't lie down. So my knee is flaring and, and because I've altered my gait so much because of my, my, my gimpy left knee, uh, my right hip hurts and so on and so forth. And it just, it's so easy to make excuses and not go out there and, and get some physical activity and exercise uh, that, uh, sometimes it, it, you just don't do it. So I've been making yeah. goals for myself. I'm going to walk to the mailbox. I'm going to get out of this darn chair. And instead of moving around the house, I'm going to, I'm going to walk out to the mailbox and folks, my, my mailbox is about a quarter mile down the road. <laughs> and I, I walked to the mailbox and had to stop because my hip was, was twinging so bad. And I said, you know, uh, I told Nancy, said, uh, I came back and she said, well, that was quick. And I said, well, I, I didn't make it. Uh, I told her I was going to walk a mile and, and uh, she said, well, you only walked a half a mile. Total. I said, that's all right. Tomorrow I'll work, walk three quarters of a mile. And the day after that, I'm going to walk a mile and, and so but on and it. so and forth. That's the thing, yeah. though, is and I'm pushing myself to do it and it's something to build on. Right. Right. You know, so in Mike's article, there's uh, three more. Uh, number four is stress management checkup. Uh, yep. You know, alcohol, and marijuana sales have exploded during the pandemic. We got to stay away from those things. Compassion checkup, which was number five. Compassion has taken action to reduce and relieve suffering mm -hmm. of others. We're in a compassionate career field. But number three, which is the last one that we want to touch on briefly before we get to the break, is a creative a creativity checkup. And I, I like this one. That's why I wanted to save this one just mm -hmm. to kind of talk about a mind is a uh, a mind that is a terrible thing to waste. <laughs> exactly. You know, being creative. And that's something, one of the things that I always find yeah. when I'm in a lull is, uh, you know, what are the, what's the next thing that I could do from, for my business, from a leadership standpoint, from an organizational project, uh, process improvement standpoint. And that's kind of where the radio station came from. Yeah. I was in a lull of not, uh, having a project to do. And I didn't know how the undertaking that this was going to be. But when you're creative and you keep your mind working, you know, it gives you a little bit of inspiration, gives you a little bit of motivation. Yeah. You know, and, and these, these, these creativity exercises, they, they build upon themselves. Um, when you stimulate your, your brain in that way, um, it leads to other avenues of creativity that you can, you can uh, explore. Uh, I, I taught uh, a, or I delivered a keynote speech online for the uh, North Country, New Hampshire EMS conference the other day. Uh, and the act of getting in there and tweaking my lecture and, and uh, uh, changing things about a bit, because I, oddly enough, I gave that same lecture uh, at that conference 14 years ago. <laughs> 
know, and, and the organizers were like, trust me, these are most of these guys won't remember it. They weren't even in EMS 14 years ago, but, but changing things around and, and updating and, and all that gave me, gave me some, some ideas for, for other lectures I've got to work on and, and, uh, and, uh, some articles I need to do for Carrie and, uh, it's helping. It's, it's helping, uh, at, at the very least, keeping me busy, which is, which is, uh, extremely yeah, which useful. keeps you out of the, which keeps you out of the despair, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah. well, good. Awesome article by uh, Mike Tegman. Check it out. It's called five, uh, a five-step wellness checkup. Focus on the 9,000 things you can rather than the 1,000 things you can't and follow these tips to reduce stress. Cheers to our good friend, Mike Tegman for a great article, but Kelly, let's go ahead and get to our break. And then when yeah. we come back, let's talk about what happened in New Mexico with Alec Baldwin and, uh, you know, kind of give a little uh, opining. Yeah. Uh, with core stethoscope technology by Echo with active noise cancellation and up to 40 times amplification, it helps EMS providers assess those hard to hear heart, lung and other body sounds in even the loudest situations. I had the opportunity to use the Echo Core. I own the Echo Core and, and use it uh, daily. Uh, if not on, on the ambulance, then teaching with my students, uh, and they love it as well. Uh, learn more at echohealth.com. That's ekohealth.com and use code EMS1 for $20 off. You know, Kelly, this week in EMS, there was an article that came out of New Mexico off of the movie set Rust. And there was an accidental shooting of a couple people that resulted in a fatality. Uh, actor Alec Baldwin was part of that incident, and it really kind of just brings to the help, uh, brings to the forefront of gun safety. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, one of the things, especially, is usually on movie sets they have EMS standing by in case of incident or accident. And uh, which was really kind of interesting to me, because I know that one of the things that I asked the question for was I had the opportunity to listen to the 911 call. And I was wondering why wasn't EMS on scene that they could have just jumped into action and, and delivered care yeah. as quickly as possible. This wasn't a fatality that happened on scene. Um, the actual uh, victim passed away at the hospital. Um, so, but you know, this is, this is kind of your wheelhouse when we talk about gun yeah. safety. So I'm interested to know what you think and, um, you know, just to see what we could talk about a little bit uh, of the incident. Yeah. Well, from what I've read, the, the, uh, rust was a, a low budget independent movie and probably not necessarily a union shop. So, uh, many of the, the, uh, things that are, are standard on, on movie sets may not have been there. Um, I've been, you know, reading about this and, and refraining from repining on it because myself and a, a number of my, my gun, gun rights advocacy friends try to observe the 72 hour rule when it comes to, to this sort of thing, because in the first 72 hours after a, uh, after an incident like this or a mass shooting or whatever, uh, it's the information is, is suspect at best. Uh, so you don't want to be basing what you say off of, uh, off of bad information. And plus it's, it's just unseemly, you know, you, you don't dance in the blood of, of an innocent person to, to make a political point and, and it's just distasteful to do so. But apparently some things, uh, 
you know, a lot of people just, uh, especially friends of mine who, who, um, are gun rights advocate, you know, are, are just enjoying the schadenfreude of, of, uh, seeing Alec Baldwin an anti-gun activist, uh, accidentally kill someone. And man, that's just, uh, I would not wish that on my worst enemy. I wouldn't work, wish it on someone, uh, totally, uh, polar opposite of me in, in terms of, of, uh, gun rights and personal liberties. And, uh, my heart goes out to Alec Baldwin right now because it's got to be a, a horrible thing to know that you killed another human being through your actions. And, and, and worse than that, a colleague, someone you may have been friends or, or had a uh, more than just a passing relationship with. So uh, I, I do hope that the man uh, managed to come to peace with this and, and is not uh, um, hurt by it too much. Uh, but yeah, especially especially when it's an accident, Kelly. I mean, so yes, this wasn't something exactly. where it was a where it was a fight and you yeah. know you accidentally get into yeah. fisticuffs and yeah. somebody's head hits the hits the sidewalk i mean That's this right. is really about just a, a plain accident and from everything that we've read uh, and certainly not being there and and taking what we read as uh, with a grain of salt um you know he was handed a weapon that they said was clean and that it was um you know which means and i guess in movie talk that it's not loaded and yeah. it's safe. And then uh, reading an article in the news uh, just today that talked about that they were using the weapons for target practice with real mm -hmm. ammunition, you know, earlier in that day. Um, you know, I, I, these accidents, these kind of accidents happen, but it does bring us to the point of safety. And if we're on scene and, and we're an EMS provider and we are, you know, doing standby. You know, what is it that we're going to do in this instance? I mean, do we have any responsibility into the safety? And usually there's people on, on the set who are uh, armorers that mm -hmm. uh, kind of teach the actors how to hold guns and how to interact with guns. We, we've been, you know, we've heard about these scenes that happen. And, and certainly, Kelly, this isn't just on movie scenes. There have been incidents where... Uh, police academies have been doing mm -hmm. uh, dry fires with simunition and uh, we missed a, or they picked up the wrong gun. What I'm thinking of is, is the police officer picked up his own gun instead of the mock weapon and uh, killed a colleague on, uh, mm -hmm. you know, on, uh, in the academy. So do we have any responsibility here of making sure that things are going to be safe? I got to say, I think the answer is no. I think that's out of our purview, but uh, we just got to be there to respond. I mean, what do you think? Uh, uh, I, I can envision instances where, where a paramedic might, might have to handle a weapon. Um, uh, at the very least, secure it or get it out of the way. Uh, and, and I hesitate to say, uh, that they should do more than that. Uh, some people advocate, well, you know, you have to know how to clear the weapon and, and unload it properly. And no, no, you don't, don't, don't do that. If you were a, if you were a paramedic on a scene and, and there is a weapon there and you need to get it out of the way, um, you need to understand that the vast majority, the vast majority of negligent discharges of firearms happen during administrative handling. You are either loading or unloading or cleaning the gun or manipulating it in some way. Uh, so if you're not, the less you handle it, the better. Uh, and that's even for people who are, are uh, knowledgeable and proficient with guns. Uh, just because you understand how to run a Glock or a Colt 1911 or one of its clones 
doesn't mean that you know how to how to manipulate a SIG or a Smith & Wesson uh, or any one of a number of other ones. Uh, do you know if that lever on the side is a decocker or if it's a safety? Uh, is it double action only or single action only or uh, single action, double action? You, you don't know unless you know that gun. And, and many police officers, Chris, fall in that same category. They're proficient with the manual of arms for the weapons that they are, uh, are, are issued uh, so they may be able to run a 870 riot shotgun, or they may be able to run a Glock, or they may be able to run an AR-15, but something other than that, they are not familiar with. So rule number one, if you encounter a weapon on the scene and the weapon is in a holster, leave it there, leave it there. Holstered guns kill no one. Uh, you, you, the, uh, just about every, uh, good holster is going to cover the, the trigger in some way, uh, leave the darn thing in its holster and it's as safe as can be. You don't have to unload it or do anything else. Stick it out of the way, still in its holster. Hey, Kevin, um, let, me ask, let me ask you a question. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you're probably, uh, you know, we used to joke uh, a couple of years back about you being the Ted Nugent of EMS and mm-hmm. you know, your, you know, your work that you do with, and, and you're, you're pretty prolific in the uh, mm-hmm. gun world and you've done lectures on, you know, on the topics. Have you ever yeah. had an accidental discharge? Oh, yes. Yes, I yeah. have. Tell, tell, yes, tell I me have. about that. How did that happen? Uh, it happened the way a great many accidental, uh, and I'm not even going to call it accidental. Well, let's call it what it is. Negligent. It was a negligent discharge. And the way those happen with people who are proficient with guns is, is pure complacency. You know, they, they think they know everything, so they, they lo- lower their guard a little bit, and they do something stupid. Um, uh, once, as a kid, I shot my kitchen window out uh, with a Benjamin pellet rifle. I told my dad it wasn't loaded and pointed it toward the window and pulled the trigger, and boom. Uh, and uh, the result of that was I didn't shoot a Benjamin pellet rifle uh, for, uh, almost a year after that. <laughs> and once I shot, uh, my, my best friends, uh, Ruger through the roof of his house, he had bought a new Ruger handgun and, um, we'd been practicing dry firing with it. And after one dry firing session, and when you dry fire a weapon, you make sure that it is empty. Uh, you cock it and you pull the trigger to practice your trigger press without moving your sights. And we had been taking aim, so to speak, at, at different objects in the in his in his house, uh, practicing our dry firing. And I tried it uh, a few more times, handed it back to him. He did it a few more times and sat it back down on the table. And then he went outside. And I was sitting on his couch and I picked it back up idly and I pointed it at at, at the television, you know, thinking, uh, "All right, Whitney Houston, that that would be you right there." Bang. Um, and didn't pull the trigger and pointed it up at the ceiling at this lazily spinning ceiling fan at the, at the tip of one of the blades of the ceiling fan and pulled the trigger and he had loaded it and put it back down. Didn't tell me. And there you go. Complacency. I just fired around through the ceiling fan and the the roof of his apartment and, uh, scared the living daylights out of me, but that sort of thing happens all the time with, with administrative handling of firearms, holster gun guns, don't kill people. And that's probably what happened in the Alec Baldwin instance. It, this is the thing. 
this, they had an armorer on set and the armorer on the set of rust is the son of one of the most famous, uh, gun wranglers and armors and all of, of, uh, movie cinema. Uh, and he's very good at it. This young lady grew up around weapons, not just, just, Hey, I've seen them, but many, many, many different types of weapons help, help their dad work them. Um, there were, this was a chain of, of, uh, um, errors, uh, that ultimately, uh, cost one person their life. Many steps along the way could have been implemented to stop this. And when you say, well, what, you know, I've had friends of mine say, well, it's simple enough. You just, if he, if, if Alec Baldwin had observed the four rules of gun safety, uh, this never would have happened. No, that's, that's a superficial explanation because when you, you know, you're an actor and you're required as an actor to point the weapon at another human being and pull the trigger because you're acting, uh, you really can't apply all these rules of gun safety. What had happened was, is they had used the same gun or batch of guns planking earlier the day, as you pointed out. Um, and an assistant director handed, uh, Alec Baldwin, the gun and said cold weapon, or picked it up off a table, handed it to him and said cold weapon, which in the vernacular means that the weapon has been checked to make sure it's unloaded. And a friend of mine said, well, you know, you can, uh, it's simple enough. You just drop the mag and, and, and do a press check and you can see the weapons unloaded yourself. And it's like, okay, first of all, it's a Western movie and semi-auto weapons are probably not used. Uh, secondly, do you know how to check a Colt single action army, uh, to see if it's unloaded? Even if it's a revolver, she's, uh, you can't just swing open the cylinder on a revolver of that type and know what's going on with it because the revolver doesn't swing out. You have to open the loading gate, uh, and, and rotate the, the, uh, rotate the cylinder, uh, through all its stops. And most likely, or I'm not going to opine on, on what happened, but here's how easily this could happen. You're out shooting. Uh, you don't know much about firearms, so you load this, uh, you, but you take this Colt single action army revolver and you load it with six rounds because it is, you know, a six shooter, they called them. Uh, and you shoot a few. And then when the gun wrangler polices up all the, the guns and puts them back in inventory, uh, he or she checks to make sure they're unloaded, but doesn't realize that you have put six rounds into this six shooter when traditionally they were only carried with five. So maybe somebody just rotates the, the cylinder through five stops and not a sixth uh, and, and mentally counts to five because that's how those guns were traditionally loaded and misses that sixth round in the chamber. You know, it could have been something as simple as that. It could have been easily avoided if they had just totally segregated. If you want to plank, those are these guns over here and they stay in this locked area and they are not mingled with the prop guns that are actually used on the set. All sorts of things could have happened, and, and it, it, it uh, uh, certainly a tragic chain of events. But the best advice I could give people is, is don't handle the weapon and try to unload it. Keep it in a holster, sit it out of the way. Uh, if it's not in a holster, if you will just simply pick it up and put it in a locked compartment somewhere, uh, observing, making sure you don't point it at anyone and manipulate the, the trigger in any way, um, you're, you're probably going to be fine. If you drop a gun, do not try to catch it. That's another one. You know, most guns, the vast majority of them are engineered so that a drop is not going to cause a uh, accidental discharge. Uh, 
Um, it, it has to be a very, very unique, uh, rare set of circumstances for a, a gun to go off if it's dropped. But many of them are, are fired negligently by someone trying to catch one. But hey, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. Does your agency have a policy on, on how to deal with firearms that you encounter on scenes? What do they have you do? We'd like to hear your thoughts at the show at ems1.com. And for myself and co-host Chris Cevallero, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We're going to catch you guys next week. <laughs>